Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth. Here in the Bay Area, you don't need to go far to find people complaining about traffic. Okay, all I can say is my commute is horrific. Every day I wake up and I have to leave like an hour and a half before I'm scheduled to work. I used to be from North Carolina, and here in the Bay Area, traffic is insane compared to there. In fact, those are all voices of people working right here in the KCBS newsroom. But their opinions are quite representative of the Bay Area as a whole. Of course, there are many sources of Bay Area angst. The high cost of housing, the high cost of living, homelessness, the threat of wildfires. But traffic stands out as an especially sore spot. There's just something about it that grinds on the nerves makes all our other headaches even more difficult to deal with. But unfortunately, like all those other challenges, the traffic problem isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Well, there's not really a solution. The era of major-scale freeway construction is not only over, it has been over for a generation. I'm Keith Menconi. This is In Depth, and today we're asking the question, what do you do about traffic when there's nothing much that can be done. Traffic is one of those situations where practicing acceptance is really, really helpful. Later in the program, we're going to be hearing from a San Francisco-based stress expert to learn how we can better cope with this punishing traffic environment. It's really easy, I think, um, in these situations to get caught up in this whole, it's almost like a persecution thing, you know, like, ah, this traffic is happening to me. But first, let's get our bearings in this whole traffic mess. For that, I'm going to turn things over to KCBS reporter Jenna Lane, who spoke earlier to John Goodwin of the Metropolitan Transportation Commission to get a transportation expert's take on how we got here and where we should be looking to find the light at the end of this very gridlocked tunnel. Quick programming note, this is actually an adapted version of the latest episode of How To Bay Area. That's KCBS's newest podcast explaining how to get stuff done in the San Francisco Bay Area. You can head on over to kcbsradio.com to find the full podcast online. So, Jenna started off the conversation asking what I would say is the obvious question here. Why is it so bad? There are a lot of reasons why it is so bad. By virtually every measurement, traffic congestion during the commute hours in the Bay Area is second only to that in L.A. L.A., um, it's has kind got of a legendary, word, that, isn't right? It? Yeah, legendary, yeah. and, and uh, you know, that legend is well earned. But uh, the Bay Area is giving LA a run for its money, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, we obviously have right now and have enjoyed for the last several years a really robust economy. So there are a lot of people going to work every day, and they are traveling farther and farther distances. We have a severe jobs housing imbalance in the region that 
is not new either. Uh, it is exacerbated by so many people going to so many jobs and traveling such great distances. But this really goes back to the post-war era. Uh, as the Bay Area sprawled out, we have developed two major employment centers, that is San Francisco and Silicon Valley. San Francisco and Silicon Valley are notoriously expensive places to live. As a consequence, people are residing farther and farther away from their jobs. And that leads to, you know, in the big picture, that is the root cause of the congestion problems that we face. So when you say jobs, housing imbalance, you mean the jobs are all in San Francisco and Silicon Valley and the housing is not. Exactly. So how do you here find solutions to, to, I mean, you don't build housing, you're the Transportation Commission, so... Well, there's not really a solution as it stands. There's no silver bullet to the congestion problem, because what we're dealing with really is a physics problem. It involves time and space, and people that have a high demand for a very limited resource, which is the space on the freeway lane. Um, They all want to be in the same space at the same time. Okay, now, how hard is it, for example, to get through an idea like extending a carpool lane, you know, even farther on 580 than than it currently is, or, or eliminating the toll again for carpool users, or... How hard is it to get ideas like that to come to fruition? Well, anything involving the regional transportation network is fraught with some difficulty. And there's, there's some friction simply because there are so many different owners of the transportation network. The state highways are owned and operated by Caltrans, but enforcement of carpool regulations is done by the California Highway Patrol. And we have nine counties. We have 101 different cities in our region. Uh, So there are a lot of friction points. Nonetheless, um, the basic principle through in most cases is that the addition of a carpool lane ought not come at the expense of a general purpose lane. Are there other other things that, that come to mind when we say how to make it better? Other sort of top of the top of the list things here? Well looking ahead, you know, there are um, there are some promising technologies, not least of which is the advent and it's it's rolling out slowly uh, of connected and autonomous vehicles. So as vehicles are able to communicate with one another, we can operate the freeways more efficiently, reduce the spaces between cars without compromising safety and those kinds of things so that you can fit more cars, ideally with more people in those cars in this limited amount of space. Because let's keep in mind, too, that the era of major-scale freeway construction is not only over, it has been over for a generation. So we, uh, we, we're not expanding the network. 
the, the responsibility for all of us is to use the network that we have more efficiently. Connected and autonomous vehicles will help in that regard. But there are a number of questions, not least of which is particularly as autonomous vehicles come into the fleet, will they be shared, which is more efficient, or will they be privately owned, in which case our traffic future could be even more horrible than it is now? Well, on that note, (laughs) the horror. I feel like I need horror movie music. Um, Thank you. That was KCBS reporter Jenna Lane with a rather unencouraging interview from John Goodwin of the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. You are listening to KCBS's In-Depth. Today, we're taking on the Bay Area's intractable traffic problem. And as we just heard, we are stuck with the roads we got, at least for the time being. But if we can't change the roads, is there perhaps a way to change how we feel about driving on them? Well, to get some answers, I decided to speak with a bona fide stress expert. My name is Jonathan Horowitz, and I am a clinical psychologist, and I am the director of the San Francisco Stress and Anxiety Center. Now, if you notice any road noise with Jonathan right there, that's because when we did the interview, we were driving. Uh, Which way should I go? Uh, You can go straight. Like many of you, I have a lot of feelings about my commute, and I figured if there's one time to talk about those feelings, It's when they are at their peak, which is why we decided to do this interview in my car while driving into San Francisco. So right now, 47 minutes. All right. So we got a fair amount of traffic across the Bay Bridge. Perfect. And it's saying to go at 830 a.m. on a Tuesday. And that pretty straightforward. Just take 880 straight over to I-80 across the bridge. Easy enough. Good deal. We set off from a spot near Lake Merritt in Oakland headed across the bridge into downtown San Francisco, the belly of the traffic beast here in the Bay Area. All right. Well, thank you for doing this crazy thing. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no, this is cool. This is fun. Started off our conversation trying to get to the bottom of one of my traffic feelings, (laughs) that being... Oh, hello, everybody. Oh, okay. Rage. Having you here is mellowing me out a little bit. I got to be, like, socially acceptable. But if... If if I was like totally unregulated road rage version of myself, I would be cursing at that guy who's merging funny. I would be, you know, just raging at all the people that are minorly inconveniencing me throughout the morning, uh, sometimes very loudly, you know, and I'm, I'm very unaccustomed to this because I am not a rage filled person in any other circumstance. I'm uh, I, I'd like to think of myself as a fairly mild-mannered person, but there's something about traffic that just really brings it out of me. Where, where is that coming from? Where, where are these demons on the road coming from? Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple things that are happening there. Um, first of all, there's a, the actual traffic situation itself is almost designed to make us feel really upset and stressed out. Uh, you've got a situation where there's low perceived control, right? Human beings hate being not out of control. Um, there's the unpredictability of it. You're surrounded by all these people who are behaving unpredictably. Um, the whole traffic situation as a whole is unpredictable. You don't know how long it's going to take. You don't know where it's going to show up. Um, 
it is a fairly, there is a real element of danger when you're driving, right? I mean, a, a little mistake, you have a fender bender that could cost you a couple thousand dollars in repairs, yep. or you could yep. actually be hurt, you know, if you, you run into someone. So you add all those things together, and then on top of it, you've got this sort of anonymity people are alone in a car right so oh, this yeah. is like what happens if you've ever been on twitter exactly you know, i was gonna bring that up yeah. yeah it's like the eggs are the most vicious right, right. it's like these, <laughs> these anonymous people um there's no social inhibition all these bad feelings add up recent research even points to a link between domestic abuse and extreme traffic events jonathan told me how the stress from a commute can actually spill over into the rest of our lives. If you have something that is a chronic stressor uh, that you find really unpleasant and you're doing it day in and day out, that's going to make it more difficult for you to cope with other stressors in your life. Um, you can think about your tolerance for stress. It's almost like a muscle. And if you are constantly under stress and you don't give that muscle any chance to recover, then you're going to be less able to deal with things as they come up. It's definitely a problem. The The good news is I think that there are things you can do to better cope you with it. right here? And you make it right here. And I think we can talk about that. With all that in mind, for the rest of the conversation, Jonathan is going to be telling us about the many different coping strategies that are out there for dealing really with a particularly kind of difficult commute. He pointed my attention first to the importance of finding ways to de-stress before we even get into the car. Basically, the more stressed out you are when you get into the car, the less able you're going to be to deal with the stress of traffic that comes up. Um, if you have good techniques and if you have good practices around managing your own stress, then, you know, it's, it's going to be easier. So, um, and, it, it, you know, people say it again and again, but I think it bears repeating, but taking care of yourself, like getting enough sleep if possible, um, getting enough exercise, eating well, all those things are going to help you when it comes time to actually get into this situation. Um, so all the things that you're saying, I am probably like doing the opposite of all that right now. I feel like, so just like seeing this view right now, I've driven up this way so many times, I know what's coming after I turn the corner and it's just like 40 minutes of being stuck. And just here right now, we're not even in traffic yet, I'm already stressed out because I know what's coming. I've gone through this so many times on so many mornings. I'm assuming the dreading the stress ahead, that's not the right way to approach this. Well, so. Tell me something. So, so you said you know that it's coming. You've been here so many times, and I've had the same experience. Uh, so, so what's difficult about it? It's well, as a reporter, you're always on deadline. You're always trying to eke out every single second that you can from the day because you're you're never going to have as much time to write the story as you want to have. All right, we're going to skip that little section of petty reporter gripes that I have and head right onto the therapy advice. Hopefully it'll be a little bit more relevant to everyone at home. For a commute uh, that can put you back 20, 30 minutes in your day. Yeah, so there's this sense that like time is a scarce commodity and you're in this situation that's bleeding time, it's taking time away from you. Exactly. And you don't have enough of it already. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I can see how when you come into it with that framing, it's gonna make it really difficult to deal with. Is there an alternative framing? I wonder. <laughs> Can bear left up here. Um, Another coping mechanism to add to the list, find things to do while you're driving that you actually enjoy. That, that was a suggestion I was going to make was um, 
taking the time that you're in traffic and sort of optimizing it by listening to things that really are important to you. And those could be books on tape. Um, you know, it could be trying to learn a language or, you know, it could be, um, talking on the phone to loved ones or, or, you know, people at work, you know, that there are a lot of ways that you can use this time that if you weren't in traffic, you would still want to put that time towards those things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, are you, are you advocating distracted driving right now? So I'm not advocating distracted (laughs) driving. So I think that there are ways that you can do it that are more or less responsible, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're on a hands-free device um, and you're you're not on your cell phone, you know, don't don't check email obviously and don't text. And there are plenty of people who are doing those things, right? And you don't want to be doing those. Um, But I think you know, making phone calls is is pretty reasonable. And I think listening to podcasts or books on tape or listening to the news, you know, I think that there are ways that you can kind of acknowledge the value of those activities and acknowledging that those things do take time, right? And and so what I'm getting at is you're if you can tell yourself and if you can really feel like the time that you're spending in traffic isn't a complete waste of time because you're doing these other valuable activities I think that might help get at that sense that what you're doing now is such an awful you know waste of time Mm -hmm. um and then I think also just being aware of the stories that we're telling ourselves. You know, whenever we get anxious or we get uh, frustrated or angry, there are a couple of things that are going on. Um, you know, one thing is that we have this kind of physiological reaction. You know, we start to tighten up, we get tense, and you might notice that when you're driving sometimes, like your neck gets tight or shoulders, and you might actually be gripping the wheel like really intensely. So just noticing that that's what's physically happening, your body is actually preparing itself. It's a you know fight or flight response. Your body's getting ready to um, you know get in a fight or, or or you know deal with some external danger. That's what we're built to do. But there's nothing that we can do. All we can do is really just sit here, right? And so if you just start to notice that and see if there are any ways that you can kind of let go of tension. Um, notice if your shoulders are tense and you can kind of drop your shoulders. Notice if you're gripping the wheel tightly and you can sort of let go. And then if you can start to notice what the stories are, you know, what, what, what are you making of the traffic situation? Um, there are a lot of stories that are really easy to fall into about the traffic. Like we want to blame people. A lot of times it's really easy to blame other drivers. Um, it's easy to blame Caltrans, you know, <laughs> like it's this sort of nameless. It is easy to ba- blame Caltrans. It is, right? It's this kind of faceless bureaucracy. You don't know any of the people. You can just assume that they don't care. You know, they have engineers hard at work who are trying to figure these things out. But it's really easy, I think, um, in these situations to get caught up in this whole. It's almost like a persecution thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. ah, this traffic is happening to <laughs> me, you know. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. And one of my friends who's an urban planner is reminding me, he's like, no, we are the traffic. We are all part of it. You know, it's not actually happening to us. I'm happening to these people at the very same time. (laughs) Yeah, we're happening to them. So... (laughs) Um, all right. So, uh, what, what other coping mechanisms come to mind for you? I'm, I'm, I'm in the thick of traffic. I'm late for work. I'm stressed out. What can I do at that point to pull myself away from the abyss? Yeah. Okay. So if you're already there, you're like already kind of amped up. Um, I think the first thing and the most important thing, and the thing that comes with practice is noticing that that's what's actually happening right now. 
like noticing that you are feeling really stressed up and noticing that your reaction is way out of proportion to the whole situation. Um, there's a real power in that, you know, just seeing what you're in the grips of. It's, I mean, and that's even frustrating in itself because yeah. you're so amped up and you realize the stakes are so low right now. Yes. I'm being ridiculous. <laughs> like, this is the lowest, like, I'm not running a country. Like, if I'm late for work, the worst thing that's going to happen is like, oh, that story didn't, like, that thing people had to wait another five minutes to hear about it, you that's, know? Yeah. That's, <laughs> no, that's a great point. That's a great point. And I think that's something to remember. Like, most of the times the stakes are actually not that high whatsoever. Uh, if you have somebody in your car who's bleeding, you know, if, if someone's giving birth in your car, they like, yeah, you got to get there. But most of the time, that's not what, what's happening. You know, we're going to get there. We'll be a couple minutes late. We think people are going to be hugely upset that we're going to be late. In reality, nobody really notices. Or if can, somebody you know, is bleeding in your car, though, I recommend not crossing the bridge at 9 a.m. Don't cross the bridge. Take part. It's, it's not a good idea. <laughs> right. So it's it's about reframing it in the moment and having that awareness of uh, kind of where you're getting a little departed from reality. Yeah. Yeah. Just having that insight in the moment and really noticing. And then if you can also... So you're not really going to be able to calm yourself down. And I, th I think people go wrong sometimes when they are upset, whether they're very anxious or they're very angry, they'll try and put the brakes on it and kind of contain it. Like, I'm not feeling this. I don't want to feel this. And kind of like clamp down on the emotion. That actually doesn't work either. Mm -hmm. So there's some kind of middle ground between you don't want to let yourself fly into a rage and express all this. And, you know, that's not going to be helpful. But you also don't want to try and clamp down and suppress that emotion. If you can find the place in the middle where you're just kind of aware like, yeah, this is a frustrating situation. I am very frustrated right now. I feel this tightness. I, I, I wish I wasn't in this. Uh, maybe I noticed that I'm starting to criticize myself. How did I get here again? Why am I always late? Stuff like that. Just notice you're doing it. Allow yourself to feel those feelings. And then just come back to the present moment and just, just, just come back to it. And don't make it worse, basically. <laughs> don't buy into those stories that you're telling yourself. I know that these things are easier said than done. And um, this is why, you know, as the, the stress management experts, we always recommend that people are doing things like mindfulness meditation, um, yoga, you know, go for walks, things like that. Those kind of activities, when you're not in the midst of stress, the more you do them, you actually get better at managing yourself in those moments where the stakes are really high. So you don't get to that point where you're about to explode. All right, so uh, we should mention, just so that uh, folks listening at home can follow along, we have now hit pay dirt. We are, are scaling down uh, a ton of traffic. We're, it's about 8.52. How, how far do you think we are to the toll plaza at this point? Maybe about another mile, three quarters of a mile? Yeah, probably a mile, under a mile. Yeah. And this is when it gets bad. Yeah, this yeah. is when it gets really bad. So it's Everybody right at this point in the ride that the stress always gets turned up just a couple notches for me. Because on my approach, I'm, I'm always coming at the toll plaza from the far right lane, and I'm, I'm trying desperately to get into the fast track lane as it opens up, just as, obviously, hundreds of other drivers are trying to do exactly the same thing. And it gets a little crowded. I know, it's always this kind of like uh, trying to muscle each other out for it, yeah. And I, It's like a pack of animals. Yeah. So the, the etiquette, and is this something that I'm making up, but is the etiquette that... It's one car, one car, one car, like a zipper. Like um, you let one go, and then you go, and that isn't that something like that. Well, the thing is, is if if you go, so the responsible thing to do is to go in as early as possible, 
and then you're not like messing up the line way at the front. That's my opinion. Maybe this is just me. So I try to go in as early as possible. The people that like wait till the end and I've gotten like the benefit of being in the faster lanes the whole time, I feel like they're cheating the system. And I always like, sometimes I let them in just because I I, I feel too bad about it, but I always feel like I'm being taken advantage of a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. And, but to add a wrinkle to it, like those people also might be making a mistake. Like maybe they just don't know. You gotta be charitable. But that's yeah. that's the sort of thing that somebody says when they're being taken advantage of. <laughs> that's a very being taken advantage of sort of mentality. I like this. It's like a roar shock for like your, your whole worldview. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We learn a lot about people based on how they approach the toll plaza. Yeah. Yeah. So one way to think of it then, um, <laughs> if if you can do this, might be this is an opportunity to kind of practice some charitable thinking. Mm. Uh, you know, because you really do have this this choice you can make when you're sitting in traffic. You can get super frustrated. Mm -hmm. You can tell yourself all the stories about why it's terrible, why it's happening to you. Um, Or you can say, all right, I'm here. I'm in this situation. I'm going to try and be a charitable person. I'm going to accept the fact that I don't have much control over this, uh, which is really hard. I mean, we don't have control over it and human beings hate not having control. It's super stressful to not be in control of this situation. Let me in, let me in. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) finally we made it past the toll booths and broke on through to the other side well okay that wasn't as bad as it could have been most mornings how how long would that was only about 30 minutes on the bridge yeah so we left at 8 30 getting onto the bridge i guess i should say yeah yeah it was probably even less than that um you know another thing you can do when you get to where you are, which can be helpful, is uh, assess the impact. You know, because we we have this tendency, like we're in the traffic, it's awful, it's awful, it's awful. By the time we get out of it or we get where we're going, we immediately forget the experience we just had. And I think if you can take a minute when you get there and you say, okay, how long did that actually take? It took an extra 15 minutes. What is the impact of that extra 15 minutes? Well, I still have my job. You know, I'm still gonna get things done on time. Nobody really noticed I was a little bit late. You know, I, I think when you do that, you can kind of tie together the actual situation with the impact so that next time you're in this situation and you're 15 minutes late, you're not thinking it's the worst thing ever. There are a lot of sources of stress out there, but says Jonathan Horowitz, a little acceptance goes a long ways. And traffic is one of those situations where practicing acceptance is really, really helpful. Acceptance of the difficult emotions, acceptance of the situation that you're in. This is not an easy thing to practice, but it's also a really profound thing that can help you in other areas of life as well. Just being able to like flip from that mode of like, I've got to do something about this, I've got to change it, to just, well, here I am, I'm going to make the best of it, I'm going to go with it. Uh, that's a really powerful skill to develop, and we have this opportunity every single day to work on it. So. That was Jonathan Horowitz, the director of the San Francisco Stress and Anxiety Center. Well, we can bring out the old cell phone again. Only going to be 18 minutes going back. Wow. You've been listening to KCBS's In Depth. Wait, where's First Street? Is First that way or that way? Uh... Today's program was a radio adaptation of an episode of How to Bay Area, KCBS's new podcast explaining how to get stuff done in the San Francisco Bay Area. You can find an extended version of the interviews you heard here 
along with more episodes of How to Bay Area online at kcbsradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yep. Um, are you going to send me a link? For KCBS Absolutely. and In-Depth, I'm yeah. Keith Menconi, and I'll see you next time. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Right, Have a good day. You too. You've just heard KCBS In-Depth, a news interview program for all news 740 and FM 1069 KCBS. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 